0: that are alive. You are coming with me. What is this bullshit?
1: Good trash genre cat I love you. I
2: know. off, on, right hand. Wax off, left hand.
0: Get
2: to the chopper! I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. Hello everybody and welcome again to the Good Trash Genrecast in a special bonus episode that will be like unto other bonus episodes that we will drop later behind our Patreon wall. Arthur, can you explain a little bit of how this is going to work in the future?
0: Yeah, so uh, if you... uh decide to uh, become a patron on patreon.com slash gtm uh depending on your tier level we're going to be releasing some bonus content we're going to try to do a brief uh monthly bonus content for i think the three or five dollars tier. i can't remember uh right off the top of my head uh which will be kind of short uh we're still playing with it we kind of talked about resurrecting our fired up uh, style pop culture discussions uh, that we release monthly kind of highlighting that month in pop culture uh but for our higher end i believe the ten dollar level or or uh up, i can't remember uh, but we're gonna do quarterly uh bonus content as well and we're thinking something like this where we all uh, will get together and watch a movie we haven't seen before uh, and then discuss it right after and kind of get a quick uh, initial reactions type thing and do some analysis like we always do with the other sh- uh uh, movies that we do on the genre cast. Yeah, it's
1: a, it's a little more hot takeier than we normally do because yeah. we're coming out right out of the gate after watching yeah. the movie. But yeah, this is uh, an experiment on uh, what you can look forward to uh, later if if you choose to to give us your money. You don't have to. Um, these these are fun. These are going to be yeah. kind of separate from the main show. Uh, we we dropped this one right into the main feed for you so you can get a taste of what this bonus content is going to look like. And uh, well. Pops? We got the introductions out of the way. Why don't you tell the nice people what we're going to be talking about? So we have gathered together. I mean, it's on the, the podcast feed. I'm they, sure they they they've seen. Saw the title yeah, already. But, you know, let's, let's let us formalities lay, I guess. So, um,
2: in, the, in the land of Mordor, where the shadows lie, we have been here at Dalton's house watching uh, the film Bright, um, and uh, directed by Mr. David Ayer, starring Mr. Will Smith and Jill Edgerton, and uh, we are going to do the analysis thing that we do on films that don't belong in the film studies course, and I think it's safe to say this will not finance its- way. Probably. Well, I, you knows? know there may
0: be a class about film distribution and right. all that kind of stuff someday, Honestly, and yeah, th- this could show up
1: in the context of a, a film studies course big, about how streaming changed the game. This has
0: been deemed Netflix's blockbuster. It's uh, a big success. It's a $90 million movie. It's a, a lot of people watch movie. it, according to Nielsen. Big movie, big cast, big director. This is probably the biggest director that's uh, worked in a movie format with uh, Netflix. Of course, David Fincher's worked with them in TV. Uh, but as far as a actual um, film. I think this is probably their biggest uh, director to date yeah, for I mean, an original film that yeah, they have yeah. produced.
1: Uh, Bong Joon Ho's got a lot of clout, uh, but that's mostly among f- filmies. I mean, da- David Ayer, you know, made a made a. DC
0: comic book movie That made a lot of money
1: Yeah, I mean He's he's a uh, successful Quality aside He he is financially Successful as a director Track record wise yeah. So yeah, I mean it, It's a big get for Netflix They they, they went I mean A $90 million fucking movie I mean They they put it all On the table
2: for this uh, So Greenlit a sequel Before this even released Yeah So yeah it, it, It's a thing So we are going to discuss it Now in case you are Tuning into this bonus episode And it's the very first time You've ever tuned into The Good Trash Genrecast uh, This is Not a Review Show Show it's an analysis show, and so we are going to do some spoiling of the film, but we are going to hold off on that until a little bit later in the show. So we'll start up with as we always do with the synopsis from the voice, the cinema. Then we'll do our quick thumbs up, thumbs down reviews. Then this week, we are or this special episode, not this week. We are going to do uh, bring back what was got us fired up this week in pop culture, and then after that, we will directly get into uh, our business, which will be analysis of the film. So there is your warning. So Mr. Arthur Gordon, let's go ahead and hear that synopsis now please
0: set in a world where mystical creatures live side by side with humans that's that's not a full sentence (laughs) a human cop is forced to work with an orc to find a weapon everyone is prepared to kill for no the first sentence of the synopsis is set in a world where mystical creatures live side by side with humans that's, that's not a full sentence. That's not a sentence. No.
1: It's a description. Hey, hey, IMDB uh, synopsis writers, don't be sleeping behind that keyboard. Arthur Gordon is watching out. I don't, ever like, vigilant.
0: I don't like poor grammar in my synopsis. I, uh, as a former English major and slash professor, I uh, have a picky eye, and uh, I don't appreciate that.
1: Yeah, I don't think you're being pedantic. That's Even I know that that's not a full sentence, and you guys are, are in group chats with me. You know that I don't play by grammar yeah. rules ever.
0: Let's give, it, let's give it the program
2: IMDb. But mm. this is not the good trash grammar cast, so we're going <laughs> to move right on. No, into... <laughs> thank God. <laughs> Who our it's thumbs a Boring up. ass podcast. <laughs> thumbs down. We need to talk about the dangling modifier. Well. <laughs> cool. uh, you know, I
1: realize we we just skipped right over introductions. We spent so much oh, time doing. We, house well, you
0: shaping. said the introductions are done, and then you prodded them along.
1: Yeah, I know. I, it's your fault. It's my fault. But we can do it now. Who are you? Uh, my name's Dalton Stewart. And uh, hey, Dustin, do you want uh, green sauce or red sauce? <laughs> the relati- it's the most relatable most relatable line of dialogue in the movie. That the only moment I can relate to. He That's... can't.
0: He can't have cow flesh.
2: <laughs> I, I don't eat cow flesh. <laughs> <laughs> All right, sir. Who are you?
0: I am Arthur Gordon, and if you act like my enemy, you become my enemy.
2: That's excellent to good to know. My name is Dustin Sells, and the wand is like a nuclear bomb that grants wishes. Much like this podcast. Much like this podcast <laughs> in very very similar ways. So now we know who we are, and now we know what we're talking about. Let's talk about it in terms of review without spoilers. Dalton Stewart, I go to you first. What'd you think of go first? Oh,
1: okay. Um,
2: I like Joel Edgerton a lot. Joel Edgerton is one of my
1: very favorite actors, and um, I really like him in orc makeup. I think he's a lot of fun. I like the voice he's doing. Um, I, I, I I I like his makeup. I, I like his performance. Um, I, I like uh, some some stuff that Will Smith does. There's a There's a moment where he does a cool thing uh, with a gun. Um, there's a, There's a car chase that's cool. Um, I guess I'm done now. Uh, it's not a very good movie, guys. Um, it, it is not. I, I think worst movie of 2017 is pretty hyperbolic. Uh, lest we forget, uh, What Happened to Monday also came out this year, uh, which we talked about uh, as a main episode. That's a worse movie. Uh, It doesn't waste Numi Rapace as bad as this movie does, but it it is also not very good. Uh, And and I guess I think that's a big part of what this review is going to to be for all of us, probably, is saying, okay, we've, we've seen some bad movies this year. I don't know that this is the worst one. And calling it the worst movie of the year is pretty hyperbolic. But it's also not very good either. I mean, it's pretty bad, in fact. Um, for me, what doesn't work is execution because on paper, the logline Lord of the Rings meets Training Day is right up my alley. Uh, and especially uh, when that, uh, that film with that description is being directed by, you know, the guy that wrote Training Day. Okay, that's interesting. But... Um, but David Ayer doesn't, I don't know, doesn't seem to be uh, working at the top of his game here. Um, would
2: you have liked this movie more if you were 10 years old and watching it with your dad? Uh, probably, but <laughs> I i
1: liked everything when I was 10. Um, I, I think I would have liked this movie more if uh, Will Smith and Joel Edgerton had been on you know, the Baldur's Gate PD or, you know, like the Neverwinter PD. Uh, f- fantasy police. Setting this film in Los Angeles does not make any sense. I don't... Uh, understand the rules of this world i don't understand the history of this universe i am completely and utterly baffled by it because at times it seems like it doesn't follow any of our rules uh and history as we know it never happened but then there's also uh, shrek exists in this universe um, so does snoop dogg also yeah snoop dogg also exists in this universe um so b- believably the crack epidemic of the late 80s and early 90s still happened um, and, and I guess that's the big problem. This looks like an L.A. we recognize. Yes, it, it's decidedly more war-torn than than L.A. Uh, as it exists today in 2017. But otherwise, it looks pretty much like L.A. as we know it. Um, and, and I think putting elves and orcs and centaurs in L.A. as we know it and then making a pretty standard L.A. cop movie that also does brush up against issues like uh, racial injustice, human racial injustice, not human on work, racial injustice. This is going to be a complicated conversation. Um, it brushes up against police brutality and systemic racism uh, and then just kind of ignores them. And, and again, I, I, I'm not going to be out here uh, dying on a Hill that says, I think David Ayer, Max Landis are racist because I don't, I don't think that, uh, I think this movie is well-intentioned. Um, I, I think it's careless. And that's, that's also a problem. Um is, is it trying to be bad on purpose? No. But that doesn't really matter. What matters is that it's careless. And when you're talking about real sensitive issues, you can't be careless because you end up looking like a jerk. And you don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. That's, that's not nice. Uh, look, any film that starts by saying it's from trigger warning entertainment uh, and has uh, the joke fairy lives don't matter today in the first ten minutes, guys, come on. That's not cute. You're being, you think you're being cute. You're not being cute. Read the room. Bingo. Read the room. Uh, you know, check in with your audience. And I think that's the biggest problem with this movie. There is a version of this movie that kicks ass and is really fun. Um, and I guess if, you know, the, the cop elements of this movie worked better, the cop banter worked better, maybe it would be more forgivable. But the cop banter doesn't really work. And that's kind of David Ayer's sweet spot. This dude loves directing uh, and being part of the writing of cop banter. That aspect doesn't work. Uh, the action doesn't really work. Um, th- this is the guy that directed Fury, which has one of the coolest tank battles I've ever seen in a movie. Uh, Fury has some kind of remarkably directed action. It has scenes that engage with, uh, you know, the inhumanity of war. Um, th- this this is a guy that can- has made movies before that are good, but the director that made uh, Suicide Squad showed up for this movie. Um, and I don't really like that director as much as the guy that made Fury. That... Uh, so take that for what you will it's not as bad as Suicide Squad um I think it definitely is much more coherent yes uh for starters but again I just don't feel like this you don't need me to tell you Bright doesn't work you you've seen it you you've heard tales um I don't think there's a grand conspiracy of critics to not like it so Netflix fails at their big blockbuster that's that's preposterous uh I do think Netflix and David Ayer and Max and Co. bit off more than they can chew. And I think it shows throughout the
0: film.
2: All right. Well, thank you very much for that, Mr. Dalton Stewart. Mr. Arthur Gordon, what say you regarding your thumbs-up, thumbs-down review?
0: Um, Well, there's a now infamous tweet going around uh, that Max Landis put out saying that... That he has since deleted is could be his uh the script for bright could be his star Wars. yeah this
1: is something he tweeted out in 2015 while the he was
0: still writing yeah. the script yeah and i i think that's very telling because what this movie is it's it's, it's extremely overzealous and dustin alluded to this uh, off air in and and this movie tries to put in so much it tries to bring in a so much you know world building and narrative and it's trying to tell this story and uh, this story and this story and it's just an amalgamation of all this and it's just not working and it causes tonal issues and it causes, uh, structural issues and narrative issues and ideological issues and thematic issues, uh, which really hinder it. And that's speaking to a lot of what Dalton's criticisms are, are about, I would, I would, you know, think. Um, and so for me, I I think that's the big thing. I think this is just way too much for what they were, you know, just like you said, it's just way too much for them to try to handle here. Uh, we talked about off air, this might work better as a, Uh, like a TV series or something extended, you know, maybe a multi-series, you know, film series, you know, three-parter kind of trilogy thing.
1: And then, yeah, we're we're aware that this movie has been greenlit for a sequel. I think, uh, just to clarify what you mean, Arthur, I I think you're saying the plot of this lone movie could have been multiple films. Correct.
0: Correct, yes. Um, There's a difference in developing a trilogy before uh, putting out the first film and putting a first film out and then saying, hey, let's do a second one. Um, And so... That's the, I think that's the big thing with this. Uh, like you said, I, it's not the worst movie of 2017. Uh, I think a lot of that rides, you know, coming from critics obviously who have seen a lot of the award stuff now, and so this is kind of sneaking up in the back. And it's and, and expe- expectation is a lot of that. Yeah. And well, and this is being
1: watched at a time when uh, screeners are being watched too. Yeah. So people are catching up on you know the Florida Project, um, lipstick under my burka, like people are catching up on the best films of the year. And bright, and also they had to squeeze in bright. So yeah, yeah I mean, if you just finished watching Shape of Water and then went home and watched Bright. Yeah, ooh, ooh, boy.
0: Yeah, but that's, that's not the double feature you're looking for. That's unpleasant,
1: but uh, there were some bad movies this year.
0: Yeah, and, and so uh, for me, though, I I had some fun. I I laughed a bit. I think uh, the jokes are about 50-50. I think uh, when they hit, they hit well. When they don't, blah. Um, there are dialogue issues throughout, uh, character issues. Um, I love Joel Egerton. I think he's he is great. incredibly underrated. I watched, uh, you know, it comes at night or it comes at dark. It comes, it at, comes at, night, at night, yeah. Uh, earlier uh, a few weeks ago, and he's so good. He is one of my favorite actors. He's a he's he's a good director too. If anybody's seen The Gift, he's uh, really solid. I behind forgot the he camera. directed that, um, and he stars uh, or co-stars, I guess. Jason Bateman's the lead, but uh, he's he's so good, and I really fell in love with him. I think when I watched Warrior. Um, and that was the first thing I remember seeing him in, yeah. Who can just put in these layered performances and kind of go just about wherever he wants to go with it and play just kind of a swarth of characters. He does a great job here. And I think him and Smith have good chemistry. Uh, I think, you know, Smith's fun. Smith has such charisma. He You know, he's the shining light in Suicide Squad along with uh, Margot Robbie. And so I always enjoy seeing him. And he's usually going to be able to deliver a few lines that are fun. Um, but there's a lot of his kind of immature you know, stuff that he does as well. It just doesn't, doesn't always work. He definitely seems
1: way too excited to finally be in a movie uh, after Bo- bad boys Two, where he gets to say the F word yeah. again. He's, he's real happy yeah. about that word. Uh, and that's coming from me. I mean, come on.
0: Yeah, that's coming from me. And I think a lot of that kind of witty mm-hmm. banner, when we see that, and I feel like there's a lot of the ad lib kind of stuff that they're doing, mm-hmm. especially yeah. towards the end. And that causes, I think some of those tonal issues as well, because you know, this movie is never really sure exactly the tone it wants to take. If It's going to be completely gritty, cop action drama all the way through or if it's going to mix in this kind of men in black style humor with it and it it doesn't really know how to balance all of that and again i think that just goes back to an overzealous writer and a a writer director combination like uh, dalton had mentioned earlier that may not work very well and so for me i'm pretty mounted i i had fun i think it's a fun guilty pleasure movie i'm really interested to see culturally how this pans out with audiences and kind of see where this is in about a year and how people look back on it in a couple of years and see how people look back on it. If they're talking about, hey, have you seen, you know, if it kind of rises as a cult film or what. Um, because I think there's a lot of that making there uh, for this to become something cult-like. Um, so, yeah, I mean, uh, I'd watch it again. I'm not going to lie. Uh, but it's pretty it's pretty pedestrian. You've seen most of it before.
1: As you were talking, I was wondering if there's a version of this movie, either, uh, you know, an earlier draft of the script or something where, uh, Will Smith is doesn't get so much focus because it definitely feels like the character beats and the plot beats all make it feel like it should be the movie about Nick Jacoby, the first orc cop. Uh, but it just keeps finding a way to be about Will Smith. Yeah. As you were talking about that, it made me wonder if there was a point in time where this movie was less about the uh, Daryl Ward and yeah. more about Nick Jacoby. Yeah. That was just something I thought. Dustin, you... Uh, as we were wrapping up the film, you you were a little bit more positive on it than Arthur and I.
2: Yeah, I, I mean, I kind of liked it. Um, it. It's got its charms, and it's—I think it is fun. Uh, Arthur's right; uh, the jokes don't always hit, but when they hit, they do hit well. And and the clunkers—they're not—they're not—they're not groaners. You know, it's like, I, oh, that was supposed to be funny, but uh, okay. Uh, fairy lives don't matter days a groaner for me. Well, man. okay, that I, well. That, yeah, that's a groaner. Yeah, that's pretty bad. It's, yeah, that's pretty awful. Not wild about that. I, I, I didn't. I hated that myself. But um, as Arthur said. It does feel like it needs room to breathe, and they're cramming way too much in there. I'm sure there's a thought, this is a one-off. This is how we're going to get this world together and make a movie about it. And these are all the sort of neat ideas that we'd like to throw in there and instead of giving it the room to breathe that a series or a planned trilogy of films might have given it. I mean, you know, if he was thinking he was writing his Star Wars, he should have thought to himself, so what we need to do is find the princess and blow up the big thing, and that's it. And whatever that looks like, you know, finding that we meet our characters, we explore our mythology, we've got a long trip on the Millennium Falcon, and somebody explains what a force is. And that's what we needed. Uh, We needed that bit of history just to know what happened. What are the the rules here? Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: How is is this different?
2: Yeah. So what exactly are we dealing with? Because I I think what happens in this movie is that it's always been – a middle earth kind of world that's the implication yeah yeah for sure but i'm not sure of that exactly and that 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 is vaguely problematic but that being said as arthur was alluding again earlier about this whole like Sort of weird contrast at the end of the year, and you're watching your Shapes of Water and your Ladybirds and your Lady's Macbeth and and those kind of things. Yes, indeed, uh, this film does not measure up. However, for what it is, a big, dumb, loud, sort of Men in Blackian, you know, Lord of the Rings meets Training Day kind of movie. Yeah, it does that.
1: I, and I, I guess I just in my brain when I when I picture that movie, it, it looks better.
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, I think it could have been better. Now, again, my my criticisms are simply that it needed the room to breathe in order to do that. But with it being the sort of like crammed in, we're going to do this thing this one time kind of movie. Yeah. It. it, it but it just sort of is what it is, and for what it is, it ain't terrible. It's not fantastic. It's not you know my favorite fantasy film of all time or anything like that. But you know, it's fantasy with cops and shooting, and you know, I'm all right with that. I, I, I guess.
1: To, to kind of put a pin in this, this reviewy portion, uh, what you just said, and we again talked about this off mic, but we just said, remind me of something we, we had said off mic. You, you feel like the film succeeds at what it, it's trying to do. I don't know what the film's trying to do. And I, I think, I think Max Landis and David Ayer probably wanted to do different things with this, this film. And I, I don't know. I don't know who makes these decisions. I don't know at what level these decisions happen, but at some point along the way, the film becomes unclear on what it's trying to do. And well, for me, that's what stops it from being successful. Is I, can, I, I can't even judge it on its merits of does it succeed at what it wants to do because I don't know what it
2: wants to well, do. I think it definitely suffers from ideological confusion. Uh, I think there is – uh, you think about how so much of the exposition in the very first part of the film with the graffiti talking about the Dark Lord rising and talking about the sort of uh, racism against orcs and those kind of things. It, those, those seem to be things that are probably outside the script. And those are things that maybe Ayer wanted to wrestle with more, and we have nods to that sort of throughout the script. There is this orc-beating scene that's very Rodney Mm King-esque. It's it's Uh, pretty graphic. Yeah, it's pretty awful. Uh, And and so, again, this could have been dealt with in an individual film. And so we're dealing with a world in which these things are going on, but it's not about that. It's, It's simply a standard sort of MacGuffin caper. And we've got to find the MacGuffin. We've got to protect the MacGuffin, and then we've got to kill the baddies who want to take the MacGuffin.
1: And there is way too much real-world cultural baggage and social baggage for it to just be that MacGuffin movie.
0: And I think also to get to Dalton's point, I I think, and going back to what we he was talking about earlier, what I was talking about earlier, I think uh, you know from a a genre broad spectrum, you know, this Lord of the Rings, Training Day thing, it it fulfills that. But I think the, the the bigger qualm is we've got you know Nick's story. Which we could have told a whole two yes. hours about. We've got uh, the kind of police brutality allegory that we could have told a whole two hours about. And we've got the spoiler, 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 uh, Daryl as Bright uh, movie that we could have told. And it, it feels like that combination. I f- I feel like had they picked the Nick narrative or the Daryl narrative as a, a steady through. But when it should be focusing on Daryl, it's focused on Nick. And when mm-hmm. it should be focused on Nick, it's focused on Daryl. And I think that's where Dalton, I think, is losing the focus. And I think that's where it kind of loses focus narratively for me as well.
2: No, no and I tend to agree. But if I wanted to see something loud and smashy with magic yeah. and, 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 and F-word jokes with Will yeah. Smith, then, and, and yeah, this is this does that. yeah. And so I, I'm not mad that I spent two hours watching this movie. And so for what it is, it's fine. But, again, is it Shape of Water? No. no.
0: I, I am going to say that The Fresh Prince is looking day old.
2: He is looking a day or two older, yeah. And I, I, hmm, I, don't, I, don't, know if, I don't know how I feel about that. That is that is very jarring,
1: yeah. Um, it, it's weird. It feels like uh, age caught up with Will Smith all at once. Was, I mean, even between Suicide Squad and this, he looks like five five to ten years older, which is wild. Um, but which is good. I mean, this character should be older. The hair, I think, adds to his age. Ooh, you know uh, that what? That might be part of it. You know what? You might be right. I. I, I think it's good. I mean, I think obviously this character is supposed to be the the old haggard, you know, guy that's uh, getting too old for this shit. And I, I think uh, Will equips himself pretty well at that. Um, I guess um, I think he's better as, you know, the, the funny guy. He's better as the, the jokester than the straight man. That yeah. ends up being the straight There we go. That, that was the thought I was trying to articulate.
2: I think that's totally fair. But there you go, dear listener. Those are our general uh, thumbs-up, thumbs-down biases. We are uh, midland. I would say. I don't think we hate it, but we don't love it either. And so now you know where we're coming from in saying what we're going to say. But now I want to say this. We want to be able to have this conversation with you all via social media. And uh, that is Dalton's job. So, Dalton, do the thing that we keep you here for. I will do that thing that you keep
1: me here for. Please don't leave me and or make me leave. Hi, it's social media time. I'm Dalton, and I'm going to tell you about that. You can engage with us in lots of ways online. You don't have to. Uh, again, as we've been saying lately, spend less time on the Internet. But if you want to see what we're up to, if you want to engage with us a little bit more... You can go on Twitter and do that. We're at good underscore trash. You can uh, talk to us about anything good trash media related. Uh, have questions about a show we don't make anymore. Uh, you know, you, you're curious about uh, the film syllabus. D- Dustin's still around. Alex is still around. We can hit her up if you got a question about something she thought on a movie they talked about there. Uh, did you like a people's history of film interview? I probably liked it, too. Tell me about it. Uh, <laughs> Do you want to know what's coming up next on the Praise Down, Uh, our our new podcast uh, hosted by Alex Sanchez and Heath Huffman uh, about Christian rock music? It's very funny and very good. Would you like to know more? Click here. We can help you with that. Uh, Want to know what we're doing next on the Good Trash Genrecast? That's the show you're listening to right now. You can do that, too. Again, all of those things can be accomplished at good underscore trash. Uh, Anything good trash media related, you can do there. We're also on Facebook. Uh, We don't really check it that much, but we're there. We'll probably see it eventually. It's good trash uh, or um, facebook.com forward slash GTM. That's what it is. Um, Every podcast in the history of forever has told you this. I will also continue that and say you can rate, review, and subscribe to the show on iTunes. Um, And, of course, as we mentioned at the top, uh, we are on Patreon. Patreon.com forward slash GTM. Go check it out. You don't have to give us any money if you don't want to, but if you enjoy this kind of bonusy type content, that's where it's going to live from now on is behind the paywall over there. Um, we're, we're better at making extra content than we are at making stickers. That's what it comes down to. Um, we want to reward you. Uh, we want to let you know that we appreciate that you want to give us money, and uh, giving you extra shows is the, the best way we know how to do that um finally you know what you don't even have to go online uh we don't we don't advertise the show we wouldn't know where to start to do that just tell a friend uh tell somebody you like uh that you like this show tell them about it uh maybe we'll get a new listener just just tell a friend or two that's that's all that we ask that's it that's that's the end of the social media part sometimes social media is uh, just people you know in real life there you go
2: and it is um, mediated sociality. So there you go. Thank you very much for that Mr. Dalton Stewart. I believe now. Did I do good? You did you did a good job. Did I do real good? Uh, yeah, you did. All right, you're, cool. you're a good
1: boy. Oh, thank you. He's a good boy. Thank you for validation. Yeah. Oh, I love
2: it when men that are older than me validate me. Oh, I'm older. It helps me work through some stuff. All right, let's talk about what we're fired up about in pop culture. We didn't stop. We're back with what's got us fired up this week in
1: pop culture. Um, yeah, we're not we're not doing a game. Uh, no. It's a bonus show. Um, this feels more bonusy. We do games on the real shows, so we're just going to talk about uh, what's got us fired up in pop culture right and now. And this will
0: be similar to some of the other bonus content you'll be getting on Patreon. So uh, yeah, dig yeah. it.
1: And we we've only done like we did one of these earlier this year just for fun for old time's sake. Uh, if so. if you're a newer listener and this is a new concept to you, that's possible. Um, way way back in the early days of the show. Uh, we used to do this segment every week on the show, What's Got Us Fired Up in Popular Culture. Uh, as the show got bigger and longer and we had more people around the table, it was not practical to do that anymore. But we like doing it. We like telling you what else we like other than the movies we're watching uh, for the show. So that's what we're going to do. Uh, Arthur, what are you excited about right now, man? What's, uh, what's, what's got you going?
0: Yeah. Well, oh, he gave you a dirty look. Did he give me a dirty he look? Did. Um, oh, yeah. You stole his thunder. because I hijacked the... You stole his thunder. The, I did it, didn't I? Yeah. You did. All right, don't. I'm not going to look at them. Just You shouldn't. I'm not I'm so yeah. scared. Hey Arthur, what are you excited about? Um, I think okay, so the the first one and I I just discovered this uh, before coming over here and I watched about a half an hour of this documentary series. Uh, That's on Netflix. It's a Netflix original. You may have heard of it. Uh, But it's called Toys That Made Us. Okay. That's not what I thought you were going to say. What were you thinking? I thought you were talking about Wormwood, the Eric Morris miniseries. No, I saw you watch that. Yeah, it was good. Uh, No, this is called The Toys That Made Us. Okay. And this is a documentary series going in, and each episode is a standalone, and it's highlighting a different. Major toy franchise. So,
2: like, Transformers and He-Man and that yep. kind of stuff. Oh, and the awesome. one I
0: was watching was about He-Man. And it, yes. and it was all about, you know, how Mattel was trying to find an answer for Kenner and Star Wars. And how they were just getting beat uh, in that kind of boy toy adolescent fantasy male, yeah, uh, action figure uh, demographic. And so, it's all about kind of, you know, who created He-Man. There's like this dissension about who actually created He-Man. And Whoa, really? And who gets the credit for that. And, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so I watched about half an hour of that episode, and it looks really interesting. It's also really fun uh, to see a bunch of toy execs dropping the f bomb, <laughs> which is just yeah, that's delightful. Fun. Um, and they're doing some fun stuff with editing and things like that, narration and telling those stories, which is really cool um, from a formal uh, standpoint. So I'm, I'm interested to check that out. I think they're doing eight parts, uh, but I think only a few are on Netflix yet. I think they're dropping them. I don't know weekly or occasionally or how oh, they're okay. doing that. Uh, but they've done so far. They've done Star Wars barbie he-man and gi joe and so he-man was the one i went with that was the one i was kind of interested to see um and yeah i think it's a solid documentary so there's a, i think it's really interesting and brings back a lot of nostalgia and so I'm, I'm also really pumped to check out gi joe i had so many gi joes as a kid so i'm definitely uh pumped to see that episode um so that's probably the big thing i'm fired up about right now another thing is wrapping up the year Watching a ton of movies, uh, you know, going into November, I'd only seen about 20, maybe Yeah, you've been 2017 Netflix release, 2017 releases, and now I'm at 54 Holy shit, Um, whoa, my man you, yeah, so, man, you kind of quick, yeah, huh? Yeah, I've been putting it down.
1: You say 54? Yeah. I think that's more than me. I think I'm at like 53. We're probably pretty close. Yeah, we're neck and neck. Yeah. But,
0: man, you kind of quick. My goal is to get about six more done before the end of the year to get 60. I and like there are a couple. I'm Your know, Florida Project will be here next month. I'm hoping Call Me By Your Names comes next month uh, so I can get those two. But I think those are two. Big ones that I, I, you know, Ward Buzzy type that I haven't really seen. That those are the
1: two that I, I most want to catch, uh, followed closely by uh, the Post and Molly's Game.
0: The Post, yeah, yeah. Uh, Molly's Game, like I'm interested people. in. I like, I like Jessica Chastain. A lot. Oh, I love Jessica Chastain. Love Ichazalba. Yeah, uh, so, and and hoping he redeems himself. He kind of had a hit yeah, or miss it's, year. It's too bad with that gunslinger movie. Oh, man. man, oof, Oh, yeah. That was a bad one. That now that's worst of 2017 talk right there. Yeah, I, think. I didn't see it. Uh, that one's I, bad. I know you did not like it. Yeah, that one was, that one was rough. Uh, but yeah, just catching up on all these movies. Uh, Good Time. I think you got to check out Good Time. I'm so glad you caught up with it. Yeah. It's I, wild, right? Yeah, it's buck wild. Yeah, those, saf- feel, those Safety brothers, man. Whew. I liked it quite a bit, though. Our, you know what I was,
1: their, their next project is, uh, right? They're going to remake 48 Hours. Nice. Which uh, is, I think
0: I did see that, yeah.
1: yeah which is funny, because in uh, an interview they did with Film Spotting, uh, leading up to Good Time, they're talking about films they were catching up up with and they, yeah. they mentioned Forty Eight Hours and how that kind of you know old, just really dirty New York crime movie was really what their inspiration yeah. was. So yeah, it's I, fun.
0: Uh, another one, Dustin uh, hinted at it earlier, but Lady Macbeth, you got to see Lady Macbeth. I think it is just a sleeper dark horse film that needs to be seen. Uh, I believe it's a British production, um, maybe a co-production with another country. I'm not positive, uh, but it's it's great. It's it's uh, like a Victorian era Gone Girl. Uh, And so I'm going to sell it that way. Uh, Florence Pugh is the lead. She's great. Um, Yeah, you got to check that one out. So those are some of the things I've been watching, and I'm fired up about them.
2: All right. Well, thank you very much for that, Mr. Arthur Gordon. Let's hear about your firedness, Mr. Dolphin Stewart.
1: I can do that for you. Um, Arthur already – I accidentally mentioned it because of Arthur's uh, Toys That Made Us documentary, but I'll go ahead and give some love to Wormwood, the Netflix doc, uh, all about uh, Frank Oh, gosh, I forgot his name. Uh, there's a lot of names in this documentary. It's about the time the CIA killed a guy that worked for them um, and discredited him by uh, putting out the story that uh, they'd also given him LSD without him knowing about it. This shit's got layers. Uh, chemical Warfare comes into to play. MKUltra's there. Uh, and Errol Morris is there with a son who's still just grieving the death of his father 60 years ago. Uh, it's about a man in his 70s whose life was consumed uh, by his father's wrongful death at the hands of the United States government. Uh, yeah, it's some heavy shit, but it's really good. Uh, It's really interesting. Uh, A lot of great history tidbits that you might not know all all about already. Um, lots, lots of fun stuff in there. Uh, it's not fun. It's fascinating though. And it's incredibly well-made. Uh, they cut back and forth. If you, if you're not aware, they cut back and forth between pretty, you know, standard talking head segments that you get out of a documentary. Uh, but then they will do reenactments that, uh, star, you know, people like, uh, oh gosh uh, Peter Skarsgard um, and um, oh my gosh Tim Blake Nelson sorry guys we're having some name brain farts going on right here uh, Molly Parker uh, is another uh, great uh, actor that shows up in these flashback segments and they're very artistically shot and you know very prestige looking and then they'll go back and forth between those and these talking head segments and uh, structurally it's really interesting so I strongly recommend you check that out um, another again this is this show is not sponsored by Netflix but sometimes they, they get it right you know the Look, their model is to throw just a bucket of shit at the wall and see what sticks. And occasionally, something sticks. One of those things being season four of Peaky Blinders, which just dropped. And every time I think I don't care about this show anymore, it pulls me back in. They go so long between season releases that it's easy to forget how good the show is. <laughs> uh, it, it is a show that I think it is very easy to forget how good it is because that is a show that gets its tone. That is a uh, you know when we we're going to talk a lot about tone when we talk about uh, Bright when we finally get to analysis tonight. Peaky Blinders navigate, navigates it very deftly. It is a pretty schlocky show at times. I mean, it, it, it's it got all the visceral um, type stuff that you like from a crime show. Uh, it, it's got all the, the goofy shit that something like Sons of Anarchy has, but it's operating a little bit higher level. The acting's a little bit sharper. Uh, the the social issues being engaged with are a little bit sharper. The historical context is much more engaged. Uh, for those of you who don't know, it's the, the tale of uh, gangsters in a post-World War One, Birmingham, England, starring Killian Murphy, uh, and a host of other actors. There's lots. It's a big cast. Uh, this season features Adrian Brody uh, as a uh, New York mafioso nice. who comes over to Exact nice. Blood Vendetta. Yeah, he's good. He's doing a real Brando-esque thing with his oh, voice, yeah. and it Shouldn't work, and it totally does. Nice, yeah. Brody's great this season. Tom Hardy shows up again okay, uh, as a, yeah as the gangster Alfie Solomons. Is Sam Neal in that? Sam Neal is in the first two seasons. Yeah. Okay, uh, and he's okay. real good as yeah. well. Uh, he plays an Irish cop who's just come over from dealing with some of the troubles in Northern Ireland that okay. he's been brought into. That, and that's the setup for the first season. Yeah,
0: I, I think I watched maybe the first episode, and I just didn't go stick with it.
1: It's super solid. Uh, yeah. I feel like the the plotting works really well because they they have very tight narrative arcs for every season. They always give you some some juice going into the next season, but they do a good job of keeping the narrative tight, which I appreciate. I like uh, I like them British shows, man. I like a six-episode season. It's a strong format.
2: Awesome, awesome. Well, thank you very much for that. I had one more. Oh, go ahead. Say one more. I'm I so sorry. Right, I'm
1: so, uh, this is a good one. Uh, well, we're going to be talking a lot about fantasy tonight, right, and what works in fantasy, uh, and, and I would be remiss if I didn't bring up that I'm finally catching up with the podcast, The Adventure Zone, hosted by the McElroys of My Brother, My Brother, and Me, so you got Justin Griffin and Travis McElroy and their dad, Clint McElroy, and uh, the youngest brother, Griffin, takes his two older brothers and his dad through a D&D campaign. Nice. Uh, it's nice. so fun. Um, if you listen to that show, you probably caught back in that uh, social media segment. I stole a little bit from them. They always uh, encourage their listeners to spread the word in real life. And that's something I realize we don't do very often. So yeah. thanks, uh, Griffin McElroy uh, and and co. for uh, that idea. Because that's a great way to spread listenership. But other than that, it's just a delightfully fun podcast of this family just having a good time together. It's fun. That's yeah, sweet. it's really adorable. And uh, it's super well written. Their second arc in the campaign has got like a real... Wacky racers meets Fast and Furious meets Mad Max thing going on. Like there's a full magic demolition derby race that happens. Nice. Yeah, it's delightful. So uh, if you like comedy and you like uh, Dungeons and Dragons, go. And even if you don't like Dungeons and Dragons, you should catch up with the Adventure Zone because it's incredibly good and it's been going on for like three or four years. So there's a lot to listen to if you uh, if you've got some more holiday travels lined up.
2: All right. Well, thank you again, uh, Mr. Dolan I not, appreci- now I'm done. Okay, I appreciate knowing that. Um, I am also fired up this week in or this month, this quarter, this yeah, it's whatever you pick this, this life year in yeah. pop culture, um, life in pop culture. That's actually the name of my memoir. Um, That's and- not a bad memoir. <laughs> you know what? Good title. It is a good <laughs> title. Strong title. <laughs> I'm going to die. Oh no, sadness. Uh, anyway, uh, what I want to talk about <laughs> is this. Whoa, whoa! Just really quick detour into existential <laughs> crisis, and we're back. And I'm better now. <laughs> (laughs) So, what you like? Yeah, man. Hell is other people. Uh, That's a joke just for Dalton. (laughs) Yeah, no, I like it. It's good. Oh, shucks. All right, so, first thing I want to talk about, I want to talk about Star Wars. Yeah, you finally caught up with I Last Jedi with a couple weeks later, It's only been out for two weeks now.
1: God, now is, and, that is that all? Yeah. yeah. Jesus, Jesus. It's the only thing the internet's been talking about for a year. It, I know, it, it feels like it, It, right? it all bleeds together.
2: And um, it was good. I, I liked it. It was, I mean, it was totally, totally fine and serviceable. And what was wonderful, I think, in my experience is I was able to make my peace with the Star Wars franchise. I'm still pretty irritated about Episode Seven. Yeah, uh, you don't love Force Awakens. You don't hate it. But I, don't, I know love you don't love it. I, I, I just I'm, I'm kind of frustrated that it's it's retread stuff, and that's that's been talked about all over the internet. I wrote an article, but you know whatever. It's it, it, it is what it is. But what I realized as I was watching this movie is that even though I was a child and I grew up with this and I have all this ownership and nostalgia, these movies were not for me after I grew up. After I turned 12, they stopped being for me. When 1999 rolled around and I was a just graduated high school senior and in the, in, in the Phantom Menace hit theaters, that movie wasn't for me. It was for me
1: who was 8 years old It was, at the time. Yes. Yeah.
2: And, and they, these movies are for children. They are children's films. Totally agree. And as I see it as that... I go, you know what? This is fine. This is fun. Good versus evil. All that great it's family a high st- level fable. It's, it's a high-level fable. It's a high-level fable, and that's fine. And so I've kind of returned to my peace with Star Wars because now I see it as this is not my show anymore, and that's okay.
1: I, and I think that's interesting that you're just now coming around on that because I think that might be why I like Last Jedi quite a bit more than you is because I like it for that reason. It is about as good as a family adventure fable can be. Yeah, um, And that's, at the end of the day, it's what Star Wars movies are. through fables. Fables are for children. You tell children stories about good and evil because the world's actually more complicated than that. But you have to lay the foundation somewhere, and that's the whole point of having fables in your culture. Um, and if Star Wars is going to continue to be one of the dominant cultural fables... They should all be at least that good.
2: Yeah, and so as a franchise, it does that thing, and I think it channels more that Buck Rogers kind of stuff, I think, in The Last Jedi that that, that was sort of lost uh, recently in the, in the most recent installments of Star Wars, so I like that. And as an adult, there still are movies for me. I think Rogue One is still a movie for grown-ups and uh, is something that's at least appreciable. That's an uh,
1: interesting take.
2: Uh, for, for grown-ups. And so my, my piece has been made, I think, in some sense. And uh, I'm able to see it more for what it is than sort of this 80s nostalgia that sort have been coloring some of my experience over the last decade or so uh, with uh, that particular franchise. So it's been kind of nice. Um, also, I'm fired up about, and I wrote a thing on this already, but I just gotta talk about Shape of Water, guys. Guillermo del Toro is back. It's so good. And I'm so glad. Did you like Crimson Peak? I, I, Crimson Peak was good. Uh, Crimson Peak was... But it, Crimson Peak was... I, I don't know. Uh, there was... There's there, there's something soggy somewhere in Crimson Peak that's just not quite working for me, and I, and I really need to think about it longer.
1: Yeah, but I like it. You you mean the the, the your favorite Guillermo, the one that made Devil's Backbone and Pan's Labyrinth? Yes, yeah. that
2: that Guillermo is back, and I I've missed him. Oh, I've missed him, man. It's good. And uh, and this quasi sequel to the creature from the Black Lagoon that makes it into a love story is just wonderful i mean it's a great love story um it, i mean the most erotic fish story i've ever heard in my life and
1: arthur uh, uh, if you had to characterize uh doug jones uh, aka the amphibian man and sally hawkins uh, relationship in this movie uh how what would what would you say Oh, they pumping. Yeah, they pumping. Yeah, they. Well, there's a. Thi- anyway, Woo! her description of, of how, yeah <laughs> of the mechanics. The, the, uh, I love that every time you have a question about their relationship, Garamel's right ahead of you. Him and yep. his uh, Vanessa Taylor, I believe, is his believe co-writer on that. Um, yeah, yeah, they, they're right ahead of you on every question you got. And I love it. How good it. is Sally Hawkins? She's, She's so, so good. Ah, uh, I her the all phenomenal. Gold. It's so good. Sally, yeah. Sally Hawkins is my favorite actress that I've only seen, like, three things that she's been in. I don't even know what else I've seen her in. I don't That's know if I've thing. seen it. I know that I've seen her in other things, but I haven't seen Happy Go Lucky, which is one of her, like, other okay. really big star roles. It. I've seen her in lots of stuff, but I, I couldn't tell you what. That's she's great. She's just amazing.
2: Yeah. yeah. Loved her. Loved that movie. Uh, it, it's super, super good. Go out and see it. You can read my review if you want at the uh, at the website, goodtrashmedia.com. But really, it's just – it's super, super good, and my Guillermo is back, and that makes me very, very happy. Uh, lastly, I want to talk just a little bit about another one of the big things that's got me fired up in pop culture. Not not so much the positive kind of fired up, but just Uh-oh. in the general Uh-oh. kind of fired. Somebody's cranky. Well, no, it's not really cranky. But the, the I want to talk about the Weinstein's, and I want to talk about art. Do we have to? Yes, because we need to have a we need to we need to talk about Roman Polanski. We need to talk about Woody Allen. Yeah, fuck both of them. Okay, fine. I don't like either one of them as people. Yeah, but do we still want to say Annie Hall? doesn't exist anymore? Well, here's Do we what I th- say Rosemary's baby doesn't exist. Here's anymore? what I think
1: we should say is Manhattan still exists and the writing was on the wall the entire yeah. fucking time.
2: Okay, they're bad people. And but, I,
1: but that's I think I think you're right. I think I'm not saying the art needs to be flushed, but I think every conversation about that art has to include an opening paragraph right, well, of the fact that these are real people that did things that are not Something we're going to talk about right now.
2: Indeed, and, and you know, um, Ernest Hemingway was a bastard. I oh, mean, yeah, know, uh, all of that. Bukowski yeah.
1: was a was a shithead. Yeah,
2: right. All, all of that stuff is going on, and and we've been having these conversations and and and, and about you know. People, whether we cast them in movies, whether we watch stuff that they've done before, Kevin Spacey, we're looking at you and your crap head, and no, I hate you, but, I mean, you know, for what you've done, all of that kind of stuff, and I get that, but at the same time, we have to think about art right now, and I just want to point people to a great piece of writing, um, and it's from the Paris Review, uh, it's by an author called Claire Um Deterer? Deterer? Get it. French names are hard. I, I assume so. I, I don't know if she's actually French or not. But it says, What do we do with the art of monstrous men? And it is talking about how there are very, very personal reactions that we experience regarding the person. And there's also regarding the art and how those things are always at work together and, and ways in which we can sort of wrestle yeah. with those questions. But because yeah. in the end, some people are going to still say, Annie Hall's a masterpiece. And they're going to also feel like they have to not say that anymore because well, Woody Allen is an evil, evil monster. you know, I'll and jump I, I in yeah,
1: I'll jump in and say as because I have the most visceral reaction. Yeah, you're allowed to like Annie Hall. There's things to like about that movie. right. I mean, I think I just any conversation regarding it needs to include. Uh, this has to be talked about. I don't think you can ignore it because I think that makes it worse. Well, I don't think. We know that ignoring these things makes makes them worse. Makes it far worse. So you're going to engage with the art of monstrous men, as Claire put it. uh, And I'm sure she makes the same point. Uh, But, uh, yeah, it doesn't make you a bad person if you like something a bad person made. I got plenty of those. (laughs) I've got a lot. So... Yeah I I get
2: it And and I'm just I'm excited about uh, A more nuanced conversation Because Mm -hmm. I'm all for What's been going on I'm all for people Definitely feeling The terrible repercussions Of heinous actions I think that is An excellent thing That should take place But also We cannot begin To sort of sponge away Parts of history Parts of cinema history I'm looking at UDW Griffith right now Birth of a Nation Is a terrible Terrible racist screed But it is also One of the most important moments In the foundation Of narrative cinema And so it's going to be a thing that's going to come up, but we also need to have that conversation about that movie with Oscar michaud now uh, African American filmmaker, who's doing similar kinds of things at the exact same time. That's where we, we begin to augment those things, and I i, th- I think something more nuanced is needed uh, because I don't want you know, Stanley Kubrick was terrible to Shelley Duvall in The Shining, yeah. but I still think we should watch The Shining. Hitchcock, Hitchcock, yeah, Hitchcock was a monster, yeah. All.
1: Well, and I think this uh, gets really nicely codified in the Disaster Artist, which I just caught up with recently. Uh, there, there's a reference to Hitchcock being a shit, uh, and James Franco as Tommy was so defends himself by being like, "Well, Hitchcock was mean," and uh, Dave Franco as Greg Sestero goes, "No, no, this is not okay. It doesn't matter if he did it this way. Right. This is bad. What you were doing is gross." Uh, and I, I think that's that's a complicated scene in that film, uh, whether or not it reckons with the accountability of that moment. If you've seen it, we. we at me. Um, this is the one time I'm going to tell you to at me. We'll talk about it because uh, it's an interesting scene to talk about. But uh, I, I think you're right. I think re- a reckoning is due and it's what we're having. And I think you're right. The reckoning can't be the end of it. Right. Re- we got to keep talking with each other. Uh, the people who are like us and are obsessed with talking about art. We got to we gotta find
2: a way to talk about it. So th- thanks for mentioning that. So there you go. Those are my three things that I am fired up about in pop culture. Can I ask you something? You can.
0: I, I, I'm just curious because you showed us something – before our last recording uh, session, and Dalton is talk about Adventure Land or Adventure uh, the Palette. Adventure Zone, yeah, yeah, uh, brought it to mind. So I I, I want to know how did the how did the Kidlings like a uh, Pathfinder?
2: They loved. Oh it. yeah, you've got you got this yes. Pathfinder game for your yes. kids. Yes, we, we Pathfinder, the, the Pathfinder card game, card not game not the tabletop. So it's not the tabletop full out RPG, but it is absolutely a role playing adventure card game. Uh, the, the the you have character sheets that you build over time, and so it, it is something that goes on. It's not just like Magic the Gathering or something and like D&D that.
0: Starter
1: kit. Yeah, it's kind of, of, basically a D&D. Yeah, it's tabletop, of, uh, baby's first tabletop.
2: Exactly. And uh, we are having a ball with it. And, That's uh, great. It, it, it is really, really fun. Um, one of the mistakes I may have made is I initially began working with him, we spent about a day playing this at one point. Had a blast with it, but now every day my ten year old's like, Dad, can we play? <laughs> yeah, no, of he, really. yeah of course. Yeah, of course. Dad gonna... can we play I know I've got other things to do. Uh which is great, but also like I'm sorry buddy, I've got stuff to do. That's
0: not just a drop in and go for 10 minutes type no, of thing. No, it's really not yeah.
2: <laughs> hey man, he just he's really invested in his cleric
1: and he wants to see what's gonna happen next. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah.
2: It's a barbarian
1: I'll nice you know.
2: to buddy yeah that checks out one hundred percent. Yeah. So Arthur good call. We needed yeah. to end on that Wanted to know. Yeah, Uh, yeah, thanks. Thanks for asking, man. So that's what got us fired up this week in pop culture. We'd love to hear about what you're fired up about in uh, pop culture in the last month or so, or longer. Just something that's got you excited. Something that's got you angry. Something that's just you. You discovered a wonderful thing. It doesn't even have to be a new thing. You may have found an old gem and said, "Oh my goodness, I didn't realize John Ford movies are the best westerns ever." We would like to hear more about that. If you like best westerns in general because they have great uh, hospitality staff, I would (laughs) like to hear about that as well. Whatever it is that you want to tell me about. Um, you can do that via the magical means <laughs> known as uh, social media. That, that was all this, this bonus time. episode brought to you by Best Western. <laughs> we'll leave the light on for you. it's <laughs> Motel 6, isn't it?
1: Oh, <sighs> Tom Bodette's so fucking mad at you right now. <laughs> He's <is> coming like, <laughs> for
2: you. He is, oh, not leaving the light on for you. Well, all right, we got to get down to business. It's business. It's business time. I know what you're trying to say. You're trying to say it's time. And we're back in a lengthy episode of the Good Trash Daughter cast to talk about analysis, finally. I can't believe it. Hey, they're getting their money's worth. Th- that's right. Yeah. Um, but this is the 3 dollars Yes, this is, this is the
1: free one. Let's well, you give him the first one for
2: free. Oh, uh, we give them the first. Give them a taste. We give them a taste. We give them a taste. good of uh, the good stuff. Oh, the then they start chasing stuff. the dragon. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah. Ain't no baby laxative in this stuff, guys. Mm-hmm. No, there's mm-hmm. no aspirin in this
0: episode. That at is all. right. We-, <laughs> we may have shot ourselves in the foot because this really isn't that much more distinguished from the regular show than what we.
1: <laughs> that's a good point. Uh, I-, I like to think it's a little more slap happy. That's for sure. That's we are true.
2: definitely goofier. So um, analysis. So, yes, let's do what we came to do. C- okay. C- can you utter the thing without actually dealing with the thing? That's the first real problem of the movie. We've already talked about in our reviews. Yeah. What's going on with that? Dude, this is a movie that starts with
1: um, a graffiti of lynched orcs uh, and doesn't address it. Uh, as we were having our initial review conversation, I remember to t- seeing a tweet, and I had to go find it. So I did that while we've been talking. Is Ira Madison, uh, who's a great follow. He's at Ira on Twitter. Uh, he writes for the Daily Beast. Um, and uh, works of uh, works with Crooked Media, the guys behind uh, Pod Save America, I think. Uh, Keep It is is the one that he hosts. But anyway, Iron Madison's great. Good follow on Twitter. And he tweeted this, uh, the day Bright came out, y'all love making sci-fi movies with, quote, allegories about race instead of making sci-fi movies about non-white people. And I feel like that is a really good place to start with this conversation. Uh, because, uh, and, and again, I, I'm a guy that's got a District 9 poster on my wall. So this is a conversation I'm... I'm, I'm I would like to have and I think it's one that needs to be had and I think I was right. I mean that's there is such a, a pull to make your fantasy and your sci-fi story say something about real world issues and I think that's important. I absolutely think that's important. But what's more important than that is making sure film production as a whole is just, you know, better, more inclusive because inclusivity means we get closer to saying something that everyone can relate to and, and you know you've got a lot of shitty nerds on the internet who who hate words like diversity and inclusivity um, and, and bright tries to reckon with that Bright tries to reckon with a, a society as we know it that finds the idea of diversity abrasive sometimes, and again, as we mentioned in review i don't I think everybody's here has got their heart in the right place. I, I think everybody here is saying well yeah let 's uh this is this fun movie with uh, an orc cop. We, we could really say something about police violence, except they don't. They introduce that allegory and then don't really tease it out at all. And yeah. if you were going to choose to make the, an allegory movie, because, again, it's well-tread ground. It's something that's been done a lot. If you're going to do that, you got to be careful. I mean, this comes back to something like Elysium with Matt Damon, where Matt Damon's the only white person in Los Angeles uh, in Elysium, which is... Fine, but that character probably should just be up on the space station with everybody else in that movie, right? Right. And that's, I think, the point that I was getting at, the point that I, I think is really salient and a great one to make right now and a great one to make in relation to Brighton. Yes, Will Smith is black, that goes without saying. But this film is coming from a decidedly white point of view. I think that's fair to say. Yeah. And again, I don't. I'm, I want to make it clear. I'm not. I'm not on the let's pick on Max Landis bandwagon. That I like Dirk Gently. Dirk Gently is a fun show. I, I like things. I liked uh, American Ultra just fine. I like things he's made. This is not a beat up on a guy. It's easy to beat up on thing. He is an asshole on the internet, and I think it makes it easy to beat up on somebody when they're a douchebag online. And I mean, yeah. Hey, what are you going to do? Sometimes people find you abrasive. I can relate. Um, but I also didn't write a movie about uh, you know using orcs as an allegory for uh, racial violence and policing. So
2: would have been different if we'd cast a African American in Joel Edgerton's role. I don't know. Um,
1: maybe uh, I think that would confuse it even more because I, that that's part of the problem is the orc gang culture looks a whole lot like gang culture as we know it. And gang culture as we know it is informed by systemic racism. Right. And I think that is the biggest problem. If in, There's a, a full-on just Latino gang in this movie. As we understand Latino gangs at, to exist, well, in fiction at least, mm-hmm. um, a, as we understand Latino gangs in fiction as a representation of Latino gangs in the real world, they just look how we under. It should look more like a fantasy band of of, of ruffians. And, you know, in fantasy human race isn't a big deal. That's kind of the whole point of a fantasy world is you do the allegory because the racism as we know it doesn't exist in this universe. And the fact that racism as we know it and understand it in 2017 seems to be going on in bright at the same time as this no. orc and elf and human racism, it just muddies the waters too damn much for anything salient uh, to rise to the top.
0: Do you think all... I mean, do you think it would have been better handled if all ethnic groups had been replaced with you know, you know, are the Latinos dwarves or are the, you know, something like that. I, I
1: get on full auto allegory. Yeah, I, I, I think.
0: Yes. I think
1: it looks too much like Los Angeles. I think yeah. the inclusion of street gangs is fine, but they need to be, you know, racially just hodgepodge. Yeah. Um, or uh, mythical race hodgepodge. Like there should be a gang that's, you know, centaurs and dwarves and orcs and and elves and humans. And, and that would be less sticky. Or if we want to keep that, that might fuck up the allegory. You're right. Then across human racial lines, there needs to be just way less um, tribalism. Uh, because that's we get a lot of that in this movie. The Gang culture, human gang culture, seems completely unchanged by the existence of orcs and elves. Which leads us to believe as an audience, because the movie doesn't tell us that racism as it exists in the United States here and now today without orcs and elves also still exists in the world of Bright. And I, I think, I don't know what the way to fix that is. I don't know if it's yeah. a tone issue or a casting issue. Uh, I mean, you're, th- that's a good question, Arthur. I honestly don't know. Yeah. I, I think, we, as we talked about off mic, I think, uh, and at the start, I think setting it in a fantasy world instead of Los Angeles, taking instead of putting fantasy elements in LA, you take LA cop movie elements and put them in a fantasy world. I think that's probably the the smarter play. That's the play that gives you more wiggle room to do something without accidentally stepping on a landmine.
0: I think and and saying that, I mean, also going back to this, you know, if if we, you know, equate, you know, if the orcs are, I mean, it it does feel like watching it that the orcs are the stand-in for the, the black community. It's got zootopia syndrome.
1: Yeah. I don't understand what the allegory is, and it makes the allegory potentially fucked up on accident.
0: And I, I think it, it muddies it because the only—I feel like the only other representation for the black community what we see are are Will Smith's neighbors. I yeah. don't believe there are any other black uh,
1: his, ca- his captain, um, who only has two scenes. His, his police captain, okay. and the black woman. Uh, but you're right. I mean, representation of the African American community seems to be limited to Will Smith and his neighbors, who he. First, uh, he said, who he calls gangsters multiple times. Yeah, and, um, I think... and who just seemed to be like guys having a block party. They, didn't, yeah. they yeah. weren't doing anything wrong. I think the neighbors could have also been... who barbecues it. Oh, they said it was the afternoon. Never mind, it wasn't morning. I was confused too because I thought it was morning. She, his his wife says you got to get up it's afternoon because okay. he's, he's working okay. third shift. So that okay. makes sense.
0: Yeah, but, but again, they're not bothering anybody. They're having a barbecue in the front yard. Yeah,
1: that they're I, I wish my neighbors had barbecues in the front yard. That's that's a fun
0: thing. What? I've been in that community before, and it's kind of annoying, and it's late and. It's middle of the afternoon, though. Yeah. See, that's when it starts, <laughs> but it doesn't end.
1: It doesn't I'm fine end. with. See, the <laughs> world that the orc chieftain describes of hanging out in Florida with the, uh, oh, yeah. the block party. Yeah. yeah, that's. I want to see that movie. I I'd that movie is way more interesting. Um, and, and again, we've got a uh, the, the horse cops or centaurs in this world. That's delightful. That's just I cheeky say, as hell.
0: Yes, I, I'm. i I love that. That is such a glancing thing. Like if you're not paying attention, it's a real you it's miss. A the centaur cop. Very quick sight gag. I'm also mad that there aren't more centaurs, <laughs> dude. Right? <laughs> like, I want more centaurs. I'm mad that there's not more orcs and elves. Where's a minotaur? Where's where's? Oh, minotaur? Know. Yeah, give me a bull man.
1: Yeah. Hell yeah, give me a damn pegasus. Why are there?
0: I mean, there's elves and orcs. There are so many creatures. They mentioned dwarves.
2: Well, we never see any. Yeah, that I know of.
0: I'm very disgruntled that there aren't more fantasy. There, there's, there's not no more fantasy, more shit in fantasy diversity in this film. Arthur. <laughs> yeah. Where's
1: my fucking hobbitses? Where's my dang halflings? Where's my gnomes? Inclusivity. Yeah, man.
0: <laughs> I, uh, going back to Dustin's point earlier, uh, you know, he mentions, you know, maybe casting a black actor in, in the, or- in the role of Jacoby. Yeah. Do you think it would help to have a person of color behind the camera?
1: Oh, hell yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Do we the have a deafness
2: would go away. I think
1: that's the biggest problem is, and that's, that's always my argument. If you are a white filmmaker, if you look and sound like me, hi, I'm Dalton, you know, maybe, uh. Make sure the people that you're friends with and the people that help you make your art, uh, maybe they have different life experiences than you, so you don't accidentally look like an asshole. And I think that's that's rule number one. If yeah. you, especially if you want to engage with race, yeah. uh, definitely don't do it on your own. That's that's a group project.
0: Yeah,
1: uh, filmmaking is a group project, and uh, it's times like this when it's most important to blow up a tour theory. I think a little bit um but it's also be- because auteur theory I think erases everyone else other than the writer and the director and the producer uh, I think letting your analysis of a film be too mired in authorship really hurts uh, you know and this is worth talking about because 60 members of the makeup team got left out of the credit yeah. of this movie apparently yeah. is, is the news that came out recently um and that's your problem right there yeah. uh, is pretending that filmmaking is not
0: collaborative and they're the only people in this movie that got a- the award potential? Yeah, because I like the orc
1: makeup. I, yeah. I like, I like, from a art direction standpoint, I like the look of a lot of the fantasy. Right. The stuff. elves look
0: good, I think. Yeah, I just mm-hmm. wish there was more of it.
1: Yeah. I like their costume. I like the yeah. The elves are fancies. Uh, yeah. That makes sense.
0: Uh, yeah, it checks out that the elves are the rich ones. Yeah, yes, it, it, it checks totally out. checks out.
1: It just we they give us that information and then don't really do anything with yeah. it. And I think absolutely diversity behind the camera is always going to be a big part... I mean, that's why people fucking lit up Matt Damon uh, during the most recent season of Project Greenlight. is because he acted like diversity behind the camera doesn't matter. Motherfucker, yes, it matters. You're rich. You don't know what you're talking about, buddy. I'm sorry. You're a rich white dude. You don't get to have an opinion about this. If somebody of color tells you that there need to be more people that don't look like Matt Damon behind the camera, you need to fucking listen. And that's that's at the end of the day the only way that this kind of stuff is going to be prevented. It's the only way you make weird fantasy allegory movies that don't step on a landmine and make other people feel like they're not important
2: absolutely absolutely and again this is a a fantasy story that i really want i I, do too i've been thinking about uh, something in my head for a while now about like man i would love to see some sort of like tolkien fan fiction kind of story about the orcs in mordor after mordor yeah i mean interesting idea uh, like okay and like they're not all you know because tolkien himself Terribly racist, you know uh, mm-hmm. terribly realist you know i mean there there's there's a whole lot of monarchism and you know I, I have a lot of problems with the dear professor, um, but that being said I, I want that, and the potential is so present here, and it is nodded towards again I think obviously the what 's happening to the orcs is seen as it 's bad but it's just it's what 's going on it's just it 's sort of like this sort of situational dressing that th- there is a situation where there is police brutality and violence we're not going to deal with that but it is going on and, and and the sense in which it acknowledges it is good but it could have been better there is uh obviously systemic racism against orcs and and the daughter saying you know he's a person too right reminding that like this idea of a more enlightened way of looking at other human beings and that little girl is two faced. Nah, she said, no, 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 no. no, no. Yeah, she says it.
1: Jacoby's a person in his face, and then talks shit behind his back, yeah, and says she, you're going to get uh, Jacoby's going to get you killed, Dad. Yeah,
2: well, Mom says that. Well, but, that's true. Then she's repeating what Mom says. But the,
1: the, the writing of that little girl's confused a little bit.
2: Um, but that being said, they're, they're, there's there's potentials there, and they're never really quite met. And then we just dr- immediately drop into our our Ring McGuffin story. You know, about a wand, not a ring, but same thing.
1: Yeah, they got they got to they got to take the wand to the Hollywood sign. Yeah, it's the only place it can be destroyed. It's the only
2: way. Yes, yeah, so it was where it was forged. Uh, so, uh, it, thank you, Arthur. <laughs> it could have been so much more, but. That's what's really kind of disappointing about it. Uh, in terms of other thematics, I'm not really sure there's a whole lot more going on with it, other than you know this idea of the chosen one and prophecy, and sort of again the sort of genre matchup of just a good old fashioned cop movie and people's abilities. A rookie learning from the grizzled elder, right? We've got that going on, and then we've got this idea of like you've got the hand of you know whatever upon you, you've got the mark of. You know, name your Shelob God, right? And-
1: I mean, here here's a, a plot thread that gets brought up literally at the end of the movie that I'm super fascinated in. Uh, is the idea that uh, this, this secret order of weirdos uh, and homeless people that's trying to keep the Dark Lord from rising is being treated like a terrorist group at the end of the movie. Yes. They get the events of this buck wild ass movie blamed on them. A bunch of rich elves blow up L.A., and the people that get blamed for it are the people that are trying to prevent the rising of uh,
0: of Sauron two And uh, well, I and I, I didn't real quick. I, yeah, it of feels like one of the things, one of the big themes here, and it, I think it really gets lost in the the mess of the movie. It really feels like there's something about poverty here.
2: Yeah. The
0: whole everybody wants this wand because everybody is financially struggling Mm -hmm. the cops want it Mm -hmm. the gangs want it not for power they're just wanting to better their lives they want to survive yeah Yeah.
1: i think you're absolutely right and again that's an interesting story this world where you know the elves are the feds um and they show up and tell everybody what really happened and this is the, the story and if you want to stay alive and keep your job this is the story you're going to tell and you're going to blame it on the crazy weirdos who are trying to actually protect the world yeah man, that's an interesting story, especially when we drive through Elftown everybody's got a, you know, a Lambo and a Maserati. Like you're absolutely right Arthur, and the the gang leader who chases these guys all over town, uh this caricature of a gang leader has legitimate reasons for wanting the damn wand. He doesn't want to have a colostomy bag anymore. He wants to be able to make love to his wife again. Yeah. I Yeah man. Yeah. I get it. That sucks. That's sad. That's an interesting movie. And you're absolutely right Arthur that that's the more interesting movie is the, the story of financial inequality that gets totally lost between this really muddled um, racial violence allegory that just Aaron Landis and company cannot stick the landing on. You're absolutely right, though, that there is a really interesting movie about inequality, about financial inequality hiding just around the corner.
2: So there's a lot of ideological interest with the film, and uh, we invite your future discussions about all of that via the means of social media that we've already discussed. But we come now to the point of the show where we must render a verdict with Bright Shelf or Trash, in this case, stream or pass, because it is a Netflix original, hearkening back to our Netflix November marathon. And uh, what else Or instead? I go to you first, Arthur. What do you say? Stream or pass, else or instead? I'm going to
0: say pass. Uh, I think, you know, for the most part, there are m- more pertinent movies you can watch uh, that do a lot of this stuff better uh, i'm about to list some uh, and so yeah you don't need to see this i mean yeah uh, it, you've seen it before in multiple forms in some way or somehow and done better so pass uh instead i'm gonna suggest three movies that deal with a lot of these kind of themes uh in in similar ways uh and they do it better uh, i think um and they all kind of follow the similar format, I believe, uh, one a little less so. But uh, the first one I want to recommend, I want to recommend the Harry Potter series, which we have that same idea. We do a lot of the class warfare and we kind of have all that same thing going on, you know. And I was kind of thinking about you know, seeing this and they're talking about the, the the battle in the nine armies. And I was thinking a lot of Voldemort's rise and kind of I've always kind of wanted to see that movie with, you know, the, the Order of the Phoenix taking on, you know, uh, Voldemort's army uh, before the Hogwarts stuff with Harry. Um, but I think Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix is the one you go to here, and you kind of see that kind of uh, really take hold. The battle that's going on for you know um, the the wizarding world. Um, I also suggest District Nine. Uh, I think you watch that. I think it does a lot of the same stuff better uh, than and, and it's better constructed. I,
1: I think I, I think what District Nine, in relation to this movie in particular, shows is a white filmmaker from a country with a history of heinous and destructive racial violence, a white filmmaker can come out of that culture and still say something that, while, you know, there, there's problems in District 9. It is not without yeah. – problems. you can problematize that movie yeah. all the live long day, but it works a lot cleaner than Bright does. Yeah. I mean, you, you can do that. And I, I don't know what um, Neil Blomkant's story is that he was able to nail that better than he was able to nail Elysium. And better than, you know, the, the team behind Bright was able to nail that film. You're absolutely right, though. It can't
0: be done. Yeah. So, mm, I don't know. Yeah. And, and my idea behind it was, you know, in, in District 9 and the other movie I'm going to recommend, uh, these worlds already exist. Mm-hmm. You know, in comparison to something like Harry Potter where we're brought in with an avatar to see this magical world open up or like a Men in Black or whatever. In, in these movies, these universes already exist. And we brought in and we find out how the rules play, which is what Bright can't do. You're absolutely right. Uh, And so the other movie, you know, Bobby Zemeckis made this film a lot better in the 80s when he made Who Framed Roger Rabbit, uh, which is it does a lot. I mean, it's dealing with the race stuff. Um, It's dealing with, you know, prejudice and Americana type of stuff. And and it's fun. Uh, It it totally knows what it's doing throughout. Um, So it's a good time to be had. And I, I think it's handling a lot of the same kind of theme stuff much better. Uh, uh you know at least at the time in the 80s and and uh, so check that out and, and it's a technical marvel it still looks good so go go check out who framed roger rabbit excellent.
2: excellent i like that pick very much mr arthur gordon what do you say dalton stewart stream or pass else or instead
1: yeah it's a pass for me too um which should go without saying i mean we've been talking about it for an hour now uh, i think that was probably pretty clear it's just not worth your time um you, I mean, I know you're probably going to watch it anyway because it's kind of a curiosity, and for that, for that, you know what? It is worth it. I mean, it is decidedly a, a weird, weird movie. I was going to call it a weird little movie, but it cost $90 million to make, so it's a weird big movie. It is the kind of movie that you'd hear weird reactions to if it had been released theatrically. There'd been a lot of think pieces and weird reactions to it, and all your friends would say, nah, you can wait till it's on Netflix, and yeah, you you can wait till this movie's already on Netflix, I guess. So if, if you really if you really want to dip your toes in and see what this weird ass thing's about, check it out. I mean, look, I want I want to enjoy Númi Rapace as an elf, like just cutting a swath through dudes too. Like she, she, her and her her elf team, like just take out a SWAT team, and it is pretty cool. But I can't ever stop and appreciate the cool moments in this movie because I'm still distracted by three scenes prior when something weird happened that I still parsing through my brain it makes it impossible to enjoy the, the the weird wacky fun moments of this movie that do work because there's so many weird wacky very not fun movie moments in this movie that don't work so what are you going to watch instead everybody involved in this has made better movies uh you want that buddy cop shit go go watch into watch with uh, michael Pena and uh and, um, Hall. Uh, david ayers made a better buddy cop movie it's that one uh, do you want more Joel Edgerton as a cop, in fact? Okay, Midnight Special, probably my favorite Joel Edgerton performance. Um, really fabulous movie uh, from, oh, man, uh, it's escaping me right now. Can't think of that filmmaker's name. Sorry, I love your work, but uh, can't think of your name. Midnight Run, uh, not Midnight Run, Midnight Special, though. <laughs> it's Hey, man, it's late. <laughs> True. Midnight Special uh, is a really great Edgerton performance, or Loving. Um, same filmmaker, still can't think of his name. It's, I'm going to feel like such an idiot when Arthur tells me what it is. But we'll move on from that. We've talked about it more than once tonight already. Go watch Men in Black. Jeff Will's, Thank you, Jeff Nichols. Damn, I can't believe I couldn't think of his name. Yeah, check out Joe Ledgerton. Uh, his work with Jeff Nichols is really spectacular. I mean, Loving is a great performance. Uh, Midnight Special is going to give you that, that sci-fi adventure film that you're looking for, though, if that's what you want instead. Go there. Joel Edgerton gets to uh, do some really fun stuff there. Uh, But we talked about it earlier tonight. Men in Black. Will Smith has done a variation on this before, and it works a lot better. because, And I think part of what makes Men in Black work so much better, as you pointed out, Arthur, uh, before we sat down to record that's a film where we get introduced to the world right alongside the protagonist. So we figure out the rules as the protagonist figures out the rules. Um, And that works much better there. So there you go. David Ayer's done better stuff. Will's done better stuff. Joel's done better stuff. You, you, you got your pick.
2: All right, I'm going to say stream it. I, I think you got to watch it. I, I, I think it's you fun. think that, yeah, you, you, it's a mess. You think the cultural curiosity is worth it? It's absolutely worth it. And the fact that it fails, I think people should be aware of that and be saying those words. And uh, and and that if there is a viewership, they'll correct it in the sequel. And you know what, Dustin, I've been converted. I'm going to go ahead and agree with
1: Dustin. This is a conversation that people are going to be having because this is a huge internet fight right now right. about how critics don't know jack shit um, and how general audiences have got it figured out because Bright's actually good and The Last Jedi is actually bad. Like that That's the conversation that's what? happening. I know. I agree. It's a dumb conversation. But you're right. Uh, if you were into film and the conversations around film, you should probably watch Bright because don't take our word for it. Go see what you think about exactly. it. Exactly. It's weird. you are It's weird. Oh, that's the only thing we can tell you for sure.
2: So yeah, watch it, and I think what I, I experienced as, as I watched the film is I am sort of steeped in the lore of the Lord of the Rings and Dungeons and Dragons and all that sort of stuff, and I, I dig it. And I, I keep thinking about other possibilities and other worldscapes and other stories, and there are better movies around, behind, and underneath this film, and I find that to be very, very fun. And so my else – is another film that's exactly—it's a failed fantasy film. Okay. Um, from oh gosh, I don't even know what the year is. It's a Disney film. It's a Lloyd Alexander adaptation called The Black Cauldron. It's yeah a mess. yeah yeah yeah. It's a mess, but there's so much interesting stuff going on in and around, under and above it that if you watch it, you go okay, I can think about much more interesting things, and in so doing, it's a lot of fun. And so I, I think this is of a piece with The Black Cauldron. Which is uh, continues to be a piece of uh, film that people watch. I think it's available on Hulu right now, uh, maybe other places too. I have no idea really. And uh, yeah, it, it's it's of a piece with that. It's not very good, but that doesn't mean it's not worth your time. You know what you could do. Just go play
1: Dungeons and Dragons. you could. You could just get together with your friends, have the the most organized one of you, write this campaign. It works better. We already talked about this. Put it put the motherfucker Neverwinter and boom. Yeah. You and can, just
2: make it with cops and you can, cars and you, guns. You
1: can homebrew that shit. Mm-hmm. It works. Do it. Just go play play the campaign. Uh, it'll work better. Uh, maybe your friends uh, are, are plugged in uh, and a little bit more socially conscious than this film is, and you guys will have a hell of a good time.
2: Yeah, that's a great idea. I love that very much. Well, there you go, dear listener. That's our show, this little bit of bonus content. We told you we were done for the year, but we lied, and we brought you this instead. Next month begins our... Uh, anti-trash marathon of January. We're going to start out with uh, E2 Mama Tambien. Very, very excited to be taking a look at that because it's all about the conversation. I'll tell you what, talk about Whiplash. We're going to go from Bright to E2 Mama. And, uh, yeah, that's the, how we party. That's a different movie. That is, that's how we do things. <laughs> it ain't the same. So you keep watching. We'll keep talking. We'll see you all next time.